Have you ever heard of Modest Mouse? What about a band named Turvy Organ? If you've ever heard of either of these bands, then you probably feel music so deeply. If not, allow me to open your ears and minds to two of the most amazing bands I've ever encountered in my life. Welcome to episode 7 of Uniquity Over Ubiquity, the show that talks with inspiring up-and-coming artists about what it takes to inspire them and who they're inspired by. I'm your host and creator of the show, Kyle Parker. In this episode, we are talking with Turvy Organ about everlasting band Modest Mouse. Modest Mouse is a Washington-based band that really loves to incorporate a lot of crazy sounds, harmonics, and lyrics that you would have never heard anywhere else other than from them. There are so many sounds and ideas and all kinds of things going on in their music and in their music videos that it's really hard to keep up with them, but somehow it all comes together as this chaotic, amazing combination of really timeless and relatable thoughts. My favorite part about this band is the way that Isaac writes. He has this amazing way of capturing angst and frustration and excitement and all of the other crazy experiences that we go through in life and he compartmentalizes it into this lyrical combination that I don't know many minds could really achieve. That's exactly why I've stuck with them this long is because they've always just been a little bit different than everything else I've been listening to and I always love that about an artist. I want something that when it comes on the radio, I can tell exactly what it is without having to even take a second look just by hearing the way the guitar is played or even the way that the lyrics are said. I just know that every time that I hear Modest Mouse, I can pick them out above everything else, which is the way that I found this band, Turvy Organ. My girlfriend was working at her coffee shop and she heard this over CPR, which is Colorado local variant of NPR. I'm not saying that they're affiliated, it's just about the same thing. And the moment she heard them, she texted me and said, hey, I found this band that sounds like Modest Mouse. And I don't take news like that lightly because there's not very much that sounds like them as I stated before. The wonderful thing about it is when we found them, they were playing a show within the next month or two. And so we decided to go catch them at a local venue here in Denver. And it was just amazing. They blew me away. And the funny thing is that the band that followed them was a little bit more down tempo and slow. So we were all amped up. And because I was going for that specific sound, I had already gotten everything I needed out of that show. So fast forward to today, and I got them to sit down and talk with us about Modest Mouse and how they inspired them and what kind of similarities they have between them. And it was a really, really amazing thing to go down the path of what it took to build Modest Mouse and what it takes to be Modest Mouse. I read a bunch of interviews with Isaac. You know, I got about as much data as I possibly could and information. And then I asked them these questions that relate. And I just think that it came out perfect. Everything that they had to say was spot on for a show like this. And, you know, they really love the idea of it. Seriously, these two bands are just incredible. And you can really tell that they try as hard as they can. And they're very meticulous about how they make their music. And just to be clear, you know, Turvy Organ doesn't sound exactly like Modest Mouse. They are just such a good implementation of that style of music. And then they twist it and make it something of their own which I appreciate tenfold. Enough about how I feel about them. Let's talk about how Turvy Organ feels about Modest Mouse. How are you guys doing today? So we are sitting here talking with Ilya Latoshik and Paul Simmons of Turvy Organ, a Colorado-based band that to me 
sounds a lot like Modest Mouse, but is different in their own ways. And I really appreciate that about you guys. That's how I found out about you. And that's what I will continue to spread to people that are looking for something like that, because I think that we are all looking for something like that. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. I'm enjoying this uh, surprise winter day. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a nice day. I ran around and ran some errands today, and my two-wheel drive car was uh, not having it, but we got through it. So I have you guys here, and I wanted to ask you about Modest Mouse, because you mentioned them as an inspiration to you, and I think that they're an inspiration to many, and so it'd be nice to sit down and chat about them. What makes them stand out to you as a unique artist? For me personally, it's his lyricism. Ever since I started listening to him, I just I thought of him as a poet, and his lyrics always struck me as just really clever and insightful and, to, and, and relatable. And then the instrumentation, just, I don't know, so pleasant to listen to, and it's so kind of all over the place, but it all sounds like Modest Mouse. I mean, for me, it was, uh, I remember, I think I went down to Best Buy one day and I picked up this random album with like the most shittiest album cover at the time. And um, I popped it into my CD player in my car. And I mean, it was unlike anything I've ever heard before. Exactly what Paul said, like the lyrics, I couldn't compare them to anything, but yet they were so relatable somehow. And the instrumentation... I mean, the things that he did with his guitar, it was just extremely unique. Um, yeah. I completely agree with that notion because what actually happened to me, the way that I discovered this is I had a friend in high school and he was skateboarding and on his grip tape, he had the words Modest Mouse written in Whiteout. And I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. that's like a funny little saying. And he's like, no, dude, that's a band. And I was like, what? And And he played them for me. And I just remember being like, this guy is a belligerent poetic mess. Like I I like I love it. I don't think I will ever um I don't think I will ever get to the depths of the mind of this man. Like I think he truly has some extra synapses firing because the ways that he writes things, I mean, you know, talk about the song Dashboard, you know. Oh my god. Any anything anything where Anything where he's really, really talking about what's going on and when he's really like creating these elaborate stories, I'm just like, dude, like this is incredible. I don't, it's, it's like a playground. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I agree with you guys and I totally resonate with you on that one. What was your experience like the first time hearing them and what captivated you about it? I have to admit that I was one of the people who discovered them when they came out with Float On and I remember loving the music video. That music video is insane. Yeah, it was it was great, you know, and that was I was pretty young back then. What when was that? I don't even know. Yeah, I feel like it's around two thousand four. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. And then I remember, you know, all these people being like, Oh man, you gotta listen to their old stuff, you know, like I don't know. Yeah. That was when they blew up and that's when I heard of them. But then it was just such a treat to go back and listen to everything else that they'd put out and I was like, Oh, I get why they've got like diehard fans who are mad about them. Right. Making it big in the MTV scene or whatever, you know. But Yeah, because when you play when you compare a song like that to Dramamine yeah. or something like that, it's yeah. like a little bit, you know. Yeah. Definitely a more of a pop element, but I still totally. wouldn't consider it pop because it's like super fucking different. And they did it so well, they deserved all of the success that they got, you know. Yeah. Like just because they got better, or I guess a little more poppier, but I, I think that's a beautiful album. 
I mean, that and honestly, most of the albums that follow it, I've just been like, yeah. I, I don't think I'm they've still done on board. Yet. I'm yeah. still on board. And Strangers to Ourselves was even like a, a real good slugger out of nowhere, too. Yeah, no absolutely. one's first in your next EP. Like, there's so mm-hmm. much good shit about them. So I guess with me, it was uh, after I bought the Lonesome Crowded West, uh, like I said, I, I fucking hate living in the country. Yeah, it's just sinking despair and i don't know you know you're surrounded by nature and yeah there's moments of absolute like beauty and bliss but mostly it just sucks for me at least but when i bought lonesome crowded west it created this feeling for me that you know combated that feeling of living in the country so just driving around through the back streets and the cow towns i mean i I had modest mouse pretty much on for like four years straight and that's all I did and it just I it just made sense to me right from the beginning I remember at the time that they were getting really popular for me mp3 cds became a thing where you could burn you could burn like 700 songs onto a cd and so I just like threw all the albums on and I was like this is the one this is uh the cd it was them and Death Cab. Like I was like constantly listening to those two. Yeah, what was that one? The Transatlanticism. Yes, that album that, is beautiful. That album and the Postal Service. It's just all fantastic. Such a good time for music. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. They have a private studio slash rehearsing hall slash living quarters, which is, I believe it's called the Ice Cream Party. And Isaac bought this about five or six years ago, and it's like this big conglomerate place where everybody that works with Modest Mouse works in that place, and that's how Modest Mouse does their band shit now. Would you entertain a hybrid living situation slash music creation zone? So we actually, as of now, we live together. We've actually lived together basically since we started Turvy Organ. We've recorded both of our albums at home. Awesome. So far, so we're, we're all about that, having just like, just kind of being engulfed in the, in the music from your, in your day-to-day. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. that's awesome. That uh, really cuts out the bullshit and yeah. the opportunities to not make the album because yeah. you guys are. It's kind of like you know you always work out with a partner. That's the thing. Like you have to, you kind of discover a lot of bullshit about yourself. Yeah, you know, you spend so much time with these people that you start to you're like you're completely yourself. You, you identify, know? and then yeah. and then if you could sit there and be like, "Wow, I was a fucking asshole at that moment," like. You know, I'm identifying that. Mm-hmm. This is a thing. These people are great people. You know, I should probably pick up the slack. Yeah, or like, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it creates a lot of opportunity to develop yourself if that's something that you want to do. I recommend it. It's accountability because, you know, I've lived with my girlfriend for like five years and we're a lot more comfortable now on calling each other out on shit than we were at the very beginning. At the beginning, it was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't rinse dishes sometimes because he's tired but then eventually it's like can you rinse the fucking dishes yeah. like what the fuck <laughs> yeah like we've been doing this forever with a band it's more like yeah uh, hey oh maybe i should write a bridge i guess i gotta get to like, it where the fuck are your bridges like you have no bridge in any of your song instead of being like fuck you this is the way i write songs <laughs> i don't know where that weird accent came from <laughs> sorry i was uh south african for a second <laughs> yeah you learn a lot about or like why do you swear in a chorus you know, we're trying to. It's like, no, man, these are my lyrics. This is that means you're just like, okay, you know, you're probably right. Like, yeah, I think it sounds good, but at the same time, but in the best interest of necessary? the band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel that that's a that's a cool perspective, and I don't think that a lot of people would really consider that because I I think many people 
you know, move in with somebody and they're like, oh, this is going to be great. And then like six months in, sometimes like, damn, this person kind of sucks to live with. So it's yeah. cool that you guys can maintain a relationship and calmness and clarity and still work together while living together because that's a 24-7 gig at that point. Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes we need someone from the outside looking in to be like, hey, man, mm-hmm. you know, that's not right. And then you're like, oh, damn, maybe it's not. Or like, hey, you're doing a great job. Hey, thanks. You can only tell yourself so much. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. I think that's really cool. They took eight years to make Strangers to Ourselves. What do you think about taking that amount of time to make an album? And what do you think your eight-year album would sound like? I have no clue what it would sound like. But I think taking your time can be important, depending on where you're at. You know, sometimes there's this urge to just, like, keep the momentum going and, like, keep putting out stuff because people have really short attention spans. So no one was going to forget about Modest Mouth after eight years, but. I love Modest Mouth yeah. so much. I, yeah, there's always great. a point like at, in some of these shows where I'm talking about an artist. I'm like, I just love that artist so much. They're so good. Strangers to Ourselves, too. That's a, I just want to say that's an amazing album name. Yeah. You know, so I hope that in eight years I can think of an album name that that's dope. as good yeah. as that one. That sums it up that well. It makes so much sense. And it's three words and it's the easiest thing to understand and yet spend hours thinking about. He has this way of making like an abundant statement with like the fewest words. Like he, oh, it's minimalism and it's finest. It's so at that crazy. Point. Like even when I was reading this interview today, some of the things he said. First of all, the guy said that when he interviewed him, it took eight to twelve hours to get this interview done. They even went to go visit his mom because he was just like drinking and elaborating so hard. And he was like, "You know what? Fine. You want to hear some answers from my mom? Let's go to my mom." It was like the craziest thing. Very every once in a while you get like good stuff to write, but most of the time he'd just be sitting there just like talking about life and saying these like crazy things and like just going off on tangents like a motherfucker. I think he's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Isaac is really analytical and goes through his music with a fine tooth comb. Do any of you have that extreme attention to detail to try to make things so particular or is it more free flowing? There are two ways to approach this subject. So first of all, when you first start out writing a song, personally for me, I am I let the subconscious kind of take over. Um, I don't know. I find there's it surprises me, and it's just a very I don't know. That's just how I write most of the time. Is I'll come up with a loose guitar track, a loose drum track, loose bass, and then kind of just like subconsciously try to produce a melody and lyrics without having written anything down. But then when it, we record, it becomes extremely. Yeah, we start we start really like nailing everything down and making sure everything's got a place, cutting up the final project into a million pieces and putting it back together. And at, at that point, you go in, you're like, wow, well, some of these lyrics are complete. Like, they're not nonsensical, but they're just very difficult to understand and digest. Um, and certain words that just shouldn't be there because it's sometimes your subconscious is a scary place. So you go in there and you fix that. And then... There's always a story that you find. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It's uh, It might be hard for people to grasp if they don't necessarily think in that fashion, but I think the vast majority of people have some kind of an artistic desire in their head. So building something like that is very interesting. I've tried music production myself, and it's uh, one of those things where, especially now in this day and age, we're chopping so many things up from our from our past and the way that we were brought up 
the one thing that I always talk about, and I'm pretty sure there's like a clip of me talking about this like this on every episode, is that we have this desire as an artist to duplicate whatever we've seen growing up and kind of make it something new. So like, for instance, like I'm an Eminem fan, but I'm a Death Cab for Cutie fan, but I'm a fucking Modest Mouse fan, but I'm a, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire fan. So like something crazy could come out of that musically if I put all those things together. And I don't have to necessarily be that person. I don't have to take every single thing from them, but like to chop these pieces in and to kind of slice it up and make it my own new design is the beauty of art. I think that, that that's what makes it endless. Yeah. Excellent answer. And I think if somebody doesn't understand what you guys said, then they should try to figure out what it means to do that because it's crazy. I just want to say, I don't always, I, I'm not like, I don't always just write subconscious. Like I sit there, I'm like, oh, this is all coming off the top of my head. That, that's not <laughs> what I always do. Uh, there are moments where, you know, a certain song or certain, so we're working on this new uh, song that we're going to be releasing next year. And that song took a very specific form of concentration to write those lyrics. You know, it was, it's about a very specific subject. So there had to be very specific things that I needed to get across. So there's always that form. I think the coolest thing about art is that it makes things translatable. You know, um, it, uh, especially with music, like you can go to like another country and hear a dope song and it's dope regardless of what language you speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's no, even if you can't understand the lyrics, if they sound good over the beat, it's cool. Like it just, it just works. So I totally appreciate where you come from with that. He's quoted as saying, most of the best music in American history was made by people with no options. It's like, I was hungry, so I built a restaurant when I should have just ordered off the menu. Do you, do you feel as though you got into music because it was your only option, or was there some other reason? Uh, for me, I, was, I had just kind of always done it. Um, I started playing violin when I was five and played, played in bands all throughout my teens and stuff, so... It's just something I never wanted to stop doing. Yeah. And I, you know, didn't really go to school. Got a uh, bar job. It's a cool bar job. Bar job. It's a cool bar job. He but, builds you know. bars, like liter- like bars. No, for, I work like, at a bar. Porches. And- but yeah, I mean, as far as the no other option thing, it is kind of, you know, I feel like I'm capable of doing other stuff. I just don't want to. That's good. There is no option. for. There's no other option for me, unfortunately. But whatever. This is, I love it, so I'm kind of glad there is no other option. I mean, making people dance or making people laugh are probably two of the most, not only profitable, but meaningful things you could possibly do. Yeah. Because there's so much crazy ass shit going on in this world right now that if we were to take people away from that for one moment, that'd be really nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference it again. I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. Give me one second. Let me look this up. You know what else I might do, though? Is uh, I've always just wanted to, you know, with a decent amount of money in a bank account, kind of hitchhike other countries. Like, we could do this one, but, I, you know, think about it. You go to, like, Russia, you try to hitchhike there. You go to hitchhiking in Iceland or Greenland, meeting all these strange people. Get out of it. But, you, you know, there's a little bit of security. I don't ever want to just... Like, free, f- yeah. free flow through the earth with, yeah, like, hope that minimal water. And, yeah. You don't want to be a gypsy. Understood. Okay. Ilya does not want to be a gypsy, guys. <laughs> I support you not wanting to be a gypsy, and I hope that you make it enough with your music to not do that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, so this is called The Clown's Prayer. 
Chris Farley had this in his pocket at all times, and it's probably one of the coolest quotes I've ever heard. As I stumble through this life, help me to create more laughter than tears, dispense more happiness than gloom, spread more cheer than despair. Never let me become so indifferent that I will fail to see the wonder in the eyes of a child or the twinkle in the eyes of the aged. Never let me forget that my total effort is to cheer people, make them happy, and forget at least momentarily all the unpleasantness in their lives. And in my final moment, may I hear you whisper, when you made my people smile, you made me smile. You know, if you're an artist, that's what you're going for. That's what you're going for. I, I think in any right, I mean, some people do it because they want to be famous. But most of the people that are really doing music and struggling with music and trying to make it through music and trying to be broke as fuck for music, they just want to make people feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean? It sucks to feel bad. It's nice to feel like other people are going through what you're going through and they're okay. You know? So I totally respect and hope that you guys continue on with that because music's tight. Um, and so is art in, in most rights anyway. His mother said his stories are born in part of his memories as a child. And though they may be fractured memories and sometimes not completely accurate in chronology, they were his perception and truth at the time. Do you feel as you grow, some of the things you wrote about may have been perceived wrongly by you? Yeah, man, like fractured memories for fractured people. I feel that. I mean, you write most of the lyrics. I do, and it always comes from a place of either subconscious, which is definitely a part of you, or mostly about the past. <clears throat> Growing up, there's so much nostalgia. Nostalgia is a very, very crazy experience that can take you, I don't know. Once you're in it, it's a drug. You know, It takes over. So tapping into certain memories, there's a certain feeling of euphoria when you can get them down on paper. And yeah, sometimes they're not 100% accurate, but... That's only because you start talking in symbolisms and metaphors. And, and, and I feel like your lyrics are ambiguous enough to where it's kind of hard for them to be perceived wrongly. That, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And hopefully relatable to most people since. Because yeah. you can just kind of, you know, make it about whatever you want it to be about. It's true. In a lot of senses. Yeah, like, uh, like kind of like adopting it almost as your own thing. I get, I get what you're saying. Would you say it's abstract? Yeah, I would say they're abstract. The song Little Lightbox, right? That's on our album, The Ghost at the Feast. Right. So you wrote it about a bar. Yeah, the, being in a bar. Yeah, the Little Lightbox is, um, is the bar. And I don't know. You can elaborate on that a little. Well, I mean, yeah, it was just written about like spending all your money getting drunk at a bar just because you don't want to be alone. So you surround yourself with these people that probably want the exact same thing and don't realize it. And yet we spend so much time apart from each other at bar. So only after a certain point of drinking, when you're like on the ground, just hysterical, like only then do you finally connect with people. It's, a, you know, it's a dark song. <laughs> <laughs> so our friend Eddie, he, he was so convinced when he heard this song that it was about a cell phone that that's what the little light box was because okay. it kind of works both ways. Okay. And, um, yeah. And I remember he told me and Ilya that and we were like, Whoa, never thought of it like that at all. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Like it's weird to hear how people perceive things. And I always wonder like if what I'm hearing in a song is like what they meant. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Because like, sometimes I'll like hear it a certain way and I'm like, I don't know, is that? Yeah. But that's kind of the beauty of it because, you know, if you're, if you're not so straightforward in your lyricism, um, you, you can kind of make whoever you want relate to it. I like the sentiment for sure. The band started in a mud shed behind Isaac's parents' house. Where did you guys start? And if it was less than ideal, how did you circumvent that? Well, we started uh, shortly after we met each other, probably in 2014, somewhere around there. But yeah, we start. I just had these uh, a few ideas to make these really simple, kind of organic sounding folk songs. And Paul, I asked Paul to help me out with a few of the productions and some violin work, some other instrumentation. And he, uh, I don't know, and then we decided to make it bigger than just that after listening to a few other demos that I've written. Well, we spent what? So that was, that was when we were recording our first album. We hadn't played any shows. We, had, we were just kind of working with making music at home, garage band demos, that kind of thing. And then how long did we record that? A year and a half? No, no, it was, was recorded eight months, even less than that. Because think about it, like I quit my job um, in September and then September, October, November, December, we recorded. And then it was out by And then it was March. out by, yeah, but you know. Yeah. So we okay, spent, so only a few months. Yeah, a few months on it. But it happened fast. Like there was so much energy and so much passion to do something like this Um that it just fell together very, very quickly and felt natural. But when it was done, we had like, there were full drums on every track and we had multiple key parts, two guitars, we needed bass, and then we also added a bunch of shakers and stuff like that, so we needed a percussion player. Exactly. So the band quickly became, like we couldn't just do it, just the two of us, so we were like, gotta find six people to play with us. And also, like, you know how it is to record an album. Naturally, it should take longer than four months or whatever we did it for. So in order for us to do that, we kind of turned our laundry room into a studio so we can just spend as much time as possible recording at all hours of the night, pissing off all the neighbors. Man, I have a hard enough time making a full song, so making a full album sounds crazy, and I respect you guys for doing it, just that alone. I don't know if you guys get recognition enough for just doing it because Thanks, man. It's, uh, it's tough. And it takes a lot of work and it's not fucking easy. And I'm glad that you guys have decided to continue on no matter what. Now that I've asked you guys a couple of questions about yourselves and how you relate, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions about them and then a couple more questions about you guys specifically. And then we're going to be on our way. Cool. All right. So what is your favorite album and a few of your favorite songs by them? Uh, let's see. Well, probably one of my favorite albums is uh, The Lonesome Crowded West. And it, there's so many good songs, but the one that comes to mind is probably Cowboy Dan. That song is... Uh, That's an amazing song. It just has so many incredible movements, and the lyrics are very... They just build such a good image. So I think that's one of my favorite ones. The album I really liked was uh, We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank. That's one with that's one with Johnny Marr playing guitar too, right? From the Smiths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I remember when that came out. It was like I had listened to Modest Mouse enough to where I was like liked them a lot, and then that one came out and it just blew me away. Dashboard, of course. We got to do a Modest Mouse cover show a while ago. Actually, um, it was it was a Halloween thing, and it was a few years ago at the High Dive. But we definitely played Cowboy Dan. We definitely did Dashboard. 
Oh, hell yeah. That would be so fun. I was dressed as a cockroach because we played Doing the Cockroach, which is also an awesome song. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. I would have loved to have seen that. I hope you guys get a chance to do that again, and you should tell me. Yeah. Because that sounds really cool. I've only gotten to see them twice, so I would like to see them a couple more times before they decide to stop doing whatever they're doing. I know this podcast brings up the hard question of who's an artist's favorite inspiration. Who are some others that you guys consider discussing? And why, if you feel like talking about it? Well, I mean, there's definitely a lot of other artists. The Pixies, I don't know his real name, but it's Black Francis. They also created that feeling. The first time I heard The Pixies, uh, it just, it influenced me so much that I took on so many aspects of what they were doing and just trying to recreate that feeling that they made me feel through my own songs at the time. I guess right around the time that We Were Dead came out, Arcade Fire put out Neon Bible. That was a really, really important album for me that really inspired me a lot. Arcade Fire is crazy. Yeah. They put out a little documentary with it called uh, Mirror Noir that was really cool, too. It was like their process of making it. They um, used a church organ for a bunch of it. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. That's sick. Awesome. Anybody else that you guys want to talk about? Weezer. Weezer is so... Rivers did it too, man. He fucking changed lives. It's almost like you couldn't really tell what culture he was really just a part of. Like, he could just say and do anything. Like, he was a nerd, but he also talked kind of gangster sometimes. Yeah. He he was just so... There's there's been nothing like him. Like, he's so fucking cool. And that whole band is so great. Oh, man. He's great, and he's so involved with the fans. Like, he did a collaboration with... This little video he did on YouTube making one of the songs play the radio or something like that. I forgot what it's called, but he basically asked the whole fucking internet to help him write this song. They came up with the drum parts together. And he also like buys people tickets to see Shakespeare and asks like 50 people if they want to just join him. Like, what? Yeah, he's crazy. He's a, such a cool guy. Damn, there's so many great artists out here. I mean, like, thinking about like just these people in general, I don't know how Isaac is with fans. There's so many like of these like insanely smart artists. I'm just so glad that we've had the chance to witness them during this time frame. I feel like music really started taking off in a different direction when we were all growing up and listening to it. Oh yeah. Cuz uh I mean it's so different now like, you know. I remember back when I first started listening to music, there was not a very good white rapper at all. Um and things like that have changed and you got Shaquille O'Neal DJs at festivals now. Things are just crazy now. Yeah. Or the way you used to discover music, you know, you didn't have yeah. all these platforms. So you're sitting there like digging locally on yeah. MySpace, finding the weirdest. Yeah. Stuff. Well, like I said, I had to find out about Modest Mouse because it was written on somebody's skateboard. Yeah. That's like the internet wasn't doing its job fully yet. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like Rhapsody. Did you guys ever have Rhapsody? Oh, yeah. It was Rhapsody. Like, it was dude. like an early version yeah. of Spotify. Yeah. And then I had, yeah. But there wasn't a ton on there. I had like Sony Real or uh, something Real Player, too. There was some, yeah. there was all kinds of crazy shit back then. <laughs> yeah. And music took like an hour and a half to download. Yep. And now we stream it like yeah. from our pocket. That's like really fucking weird. Yeah. So weird. We got so, like, like an infinite library. Yeah. Like, like, oh, I can listen to whatever I want right now, anytime. Dude, it's kind of overwhelming sometimes. But anyway. That's a separate topic. Do you guys mind if we feature some of your music on this episode? No, not at all. Yeah, I think people should get a taste of what you guys are into and what you're like because we found you guys at a show and it was super dope. Well, actually, my girlfriend found you guys on NPR. CPR, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
you know, quotations. Yeah, yeah. NPR. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I don't know how she heard it, so I don't know the details. So they were they were playing us a lot, which was really cool. Well, you guys got your tea from the place that we heard of you from. So that was pretty cool cuz yeah. cuz she was listening to CPR at yeah. work mm-hmm. and it came on and she was like these guys sound like Monas Mouse Kyle and I was like don't joke around Christy. <laughs> it's not it's not a funny joke and then she played it and I was like oh my god. Yeah. I really like this. Like I like this a lot. So Right on. Thank you. Um man. and I want to stress that I don't think you guys are exactly like Monas Mouse. Oh yeah. I don't want to say that you're like biting their style or anything like that. I just think that you guys have incorporated it very well. It made it yeah. something new and super fresh and I appreciate that and I think we all needed it. You yeah. know what I mean? All of our all of our favorite bands are getting older, guys. It's a fun kind of music, you know. It's fun. It is really fun. And I think the thing that I always noticed about him and liked about him was that it's limitless for him. Yeah. I heard Big Boy was supposed to be a producer from Outcast yeah, on Strangers. Sounds... I really wish I would have heard some of that because yeah, that right. sounds super fucking cool. Yeah. Last question. Is there anything that you guys want to plug on this show? I think you said you released a new album. Is that correct? Yeah, so we have The Ghost at the Feast that we've out a couple months ago but we are actually going into the studio in a couple weeks to do a single for the new one. Oh, sick yeah. that's what that was going to be the follow-up question yeah what are so, you doing now because i would love to hear more yeah um so it should be out the single is going to be out yeah like early 2020 okay early 2020 um now we're on the sure. same page about it yeah we're going to the studio in november to record it um which is going to be pretty cool Right on. That's cool. I appreciate you coming out to chat with me. I had a great time. Thank you for the tea. You guys have a good one. Thank you so much. And there you have it. I think there's a lot of good information in that interview. It's really cool to hear about the artistic process and then also to hear what it's like to kind of live with your band member and try to establish a schedule and also try to figure out where work ends and life begins and all that. I think it's really cool of them to be able to replicate and enhance a sound style that they were very attracted to growing up. And the fact that these like-minded individuals got together to make something equally as cool and definitely on its way up the ladder as far as success goes because you know when you have a sound like this and when you're captivating people like this and when you're talking about feelings there's really no denying the fact that you're a good band and if you're working hard that shows too so i can't imagine what the future holds for turvy organ i can't imagine even what the future holds for modest mouse but all i know is that we are in a beautiful time for music because these kinds of things are happening around us all the time and we're getting subjected to all these different styles of music and we're duplicating it and we're making it fresh and we're doing something different with it and we're incorporating it into new styles and I just don't think that we're ever gonna run out of this innovation and this incline in musical understanding and knowledge. Please don't forget to tell your friends about this show. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share this with your friends and other people that you think would be into this. If you have any idea, somebody that I should talk to, somebody that you want to hear about on this show, please forward the relevant information on to me. I just want everyone to know that I appreciate this journey that we have been on so far. It's been a full year of uniquity over ubiquity, and I cannot be happier to share this kind of information with the people that love to hear stuff like I do. Thank you so much for listening. All the information and links can be found in all the relevant advertisement posts and on anchor.fm slash uniquity over ubiquity. Thanks guys. Have a great day.